0: Good morning, Kavanaugh. Will you stand with us? Let's worship together.
1: church. How's everyone doing? Good. Good. Today is the day the Lord has made, and we, church, are going to rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's so good to see you guys. We've been praying for you. Glad you made it back here. You guys had it lucky coming in today, all right? The first service got drained, you know, completely drenched, all right? Uh, But, you know, despite that, uh, it's a little cooler outside today, All right, it's a little cooler outside, love that. This northern boy loves that kind of weather, amen, amen. Uh, But I'm so thankful for the sunshine that's happening in here because we get to celebrate Jesus, we get to celebrate his unchanging grace um, and who we have our faith in. And I'm so thankful for that, I'm so thankful that we can gather here as a church and praise the name of Jesus for all he's done for us. So I'm going to invite you all to stand right back up and we're going to ask God's anointing on our services today. Let's pray. Lord, we love you again. Thank you so much for bringing us all back together, God. So thankful for this church family. So thankful for the people that you brought here to this place today. Today, you have something for every single one of us. And, Lord, I just pray that we are ready. I pray that we are willing to to receive all that you have for us and that you change us. And, And, Lord, so thankful for how you've already worked and how you have already redeemed and how you have already blessed. And I know, God, you want us to, 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 to know you more and to, to, to experience you even in a greater way today. So, God, open our hearts. Open our hearts because we're ready. We're ready for you and what you have. Be with Brother Willis. He brings the word today. And be with our services as we continue to praise you in your name. Amen. Let's continue to worship.
0: every time I, I, I try to speak before it, I think, man, God, what am I going to speak about today? You know, uh, touch me, give me a word, let me, let me know, let me speak what someone would want to hear. And the, the line, when he speaks and when he moves, it, it just kept kind of swimming through my head and it led me to uh, Psalm 34 because I have to understand what's wrong before I can start searching for an answer. And when I start searching for answers, the best place I know to go is to God. So Psalm 34 verse four says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all of my fears. Now over the last, amen, yes. And over the last year, I'll I'll just say, I've been dealing with a lot of fear, a lot of fear at work, a lot of fear with some personal things, just fear in general, you know I mean? It seems like we're all kind of scared of some things. And um, when I sought God, through reading, through prayer, and uh, you know, then I finally like, what's the worst that can happen here? You know, Don, you, you trust God, do you? you? You talk about how you do all the time, but do you really? And what's the worst that can happen if I trust God? Now, I'm just gonna tell you, thank goodness, I was telling them I've reduced this by about 50%. <laughs> so this is a much shorter version of how I got to this place, so bear with me. You know, but it's one thing to seek God, and then it's a whole nother thing to Listen when he does speak to you when you do seek him. It's a whole other thing to listen and so When he speaks are we listening When he moves Do we notice it? You know because sometimes if i'm not paying attention he's going to speak or he's going to move And maybe it's not really what I wanted to hear Maybe it's not a move in the way I thought he was going to move But nonetheless I think he's going to move. I think he's going to speak in John 14:6 says Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And when he speaks the truth to you, you're going to be changed. And he will do only what he can do. So here's some of the things that I've kind of run through my mind. You know what? He can set the prisoner free. He can break the chains of addiction. He can heal the broken. He can give sight to those who are blind spiritually and physically. You know, he's still in the miracle working business. He can make the lame walk again. He can make a way when there is no way. He can calm a storm going on in and around our lives. He can bring order to our chaos. He can restore dignity to anybody in here that feels ashamed. He can nourish your hungry soul. He can give strength to the weary. If you're thirsty, he's got living water. He can soften your heart. He can, if you're a doubter, you're going to become a believer. He can make a believer out of you. He's going to humble the proud. He'll give beauty for ashes. He'll bring peace if you're anxious. He's going to give health to the sick. He's going to provide security to those of you who are scared like I was. If you feel helpless, call on him because he is our help. If you feel poor or worthless, don't. We are children of the King. If you're mourning, He's gonna comfort you. If you're depressed or downtrodden, He is your joy. You're not alone, God is with you. If you wonder how anyone can love me, well, God does, He is love. He is the home to the homeless. He's shelter if you've been left outside. He can cleanse you if you feel dirty. There isn't anything God cannot do When we let Him in the room, our room, our heart, when He speaks, it is. When He moves, things happen. Listen to Him this morning. Open your eyes, your hearts, your minds. God's moving. Let the Holy Spirit fall on you, change you, move you, overwhelm you, surround you. Take a chance today. Make a choice to be changed by allowing God to do what only He can do in your life today. so thankful today for this church in which we can come and we can freely worship you and we can give our lives and our hearts and our minds and our troubles over to you God because you love us, you care for us you protect us in a way that no other person can do and I'm so thankful for that today and I pray God a special move of your anointing through the congregation today through the other classes and things that are going on right now and I pray God a special anointing on Brother Will that as he continues to speak your word, that it would fall, that it would fall on all of us, that it would fall on our hearts, and that it would move us to tears, God, and that we would come and we would fall before you on our knees at the altar, God, and receive what it is you have for us. It's free. Was it free for you because you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for all of these debts that we can never repay. So once again, Jesus, I'm asking you to come into this room, to come into our hearts and to move like we have never seen you move before. And it's these things in your precious name, God, I pray. Amen.
2: Give the priest team a big hand. Boy, they did a great job today. Awesome worship. Wow. Glad that you're here. Welcome to those of you who are online. I uh, appreciate you uh, listening today and being a part of Kavanaugh Church. Uh, today I'm continuing my sermon series on the uh, Ten Commandments, Ten Values for Strong Families. And today we're going to talk about honesty being the best policy. I-, I read about this man who has been the victim of 15 car thefts over the past eight years. Now, dude, I would just call that bad luck, wouldn't you? Um, one, one of the cars that he had stolen uh, was returned and then stolen again. The first four cars that he owned were all stolen. One day, the police station called him and said, hey, we found the contents out of one of the cars that had been stolen from you, and it's here at the police station. If you'd like to come get it, come on. And So he drove his... <laughs> his other car, his new car down to the police station uh, to pick up the contents. And while he was in the police station, guess what? Somebody stole his car out in front of the police station. Man, it it reminded me of uh, one of my favorite shows when I was a little kid. My mom and dad made me watch all the time. Hee-haw. (laughs) Remember that song? Gloom, despair, agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If I had no bad luck I'd have no luck at all gloom despair and agony on me well today we are on commandment number eight uh ten values that build strong families and the eighth commandment is found in exodus chapter 20 verse 15 just four words you shall not steal or as I told the uh, nine o'clock people I like the old King James version thou shalt not steal and let's pray because you're going to need it right here. Heavenly Father, I do pray that your word would speak to our hearts as I speak on the outside. Holy Spirit, speak to us internally. Uh, Lord, show us that you love us and that you care for us and that we do need a Savior and that we do need our sins forgiven. And I pray, dear Lord, that the Holy Spirit would have his way in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Today I want to try to answer two questions that are imperative in this commandment, thou shalt not steal. The first question I want to answer is, how do we steal? And and it is amazing to me the number of ways that people invent to rip other people off. In fact, I, I did a word search on the internet for the word steal or stealing and I found 139 synonyms for stealing. Again, it just is amazing the number of ways that a human being can think up to steal or to rip somebody else off. And I could spend all morning giving you these different ways we steal, but I condensed it down to five very brief things. Number one, you steal when you rip customers off, right? 3,000 years ago, this was a problem. Amos, look at Amos. What did Amos say in Amos 8, 5? They overcharge, use false measures, and fix the scales to cheat the customers. That was 3,000 years ago, but it sounds like today, doesn't it? When a repairman makes unnecessary repairs. Have you ever had that happen? A shade tree mechanic? You know what, I, sometimes I think what they do is when you take your car in to get it fixed, they'll rig something so that you have to come back a month later to get that fixed. You, yeah. you ever feel that way? It's just me and you that feel that way. But you know what, it's it's done. Or a doctor that makes unnecessary tests or a salesman that skips over the fine print. Or what about you when you sell a used car? And the person who's buying it asks is there anything wrong with this vehicle? <laughs> and you actually break two commandments when you say, no, you're lying, but you're also ripping them off, huh? So number one way that you can steal is by ripping customers off. Number two, you can steal from your workplace. Listen to what Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart, as though you're working for the Lord. So really, you're not working for the boss man, you're actually working for the Lord. And I'm not just talking about employee theft, where you pad your expense account, or you take supplies home from the office, or equipment, or even sometimes merchandise. But really what I'm talking about here is, when you go into work and you waste your time, Your company is paying you for eight hours on the job, but you don't work eight hours. Folks, that's stealing. If somebody's paying you for your time and you come in late and you leave early, you take a long lunch, four coffee breaks, and you spend two hours on the internet or on Facebook, you're ripping them off. God says don't do it. You know what? Y'all are no different than the 9 o'clock service. At this point, it got real quiet in the <laughs> 9 o'clock service as well. But this is the way we steal. Number three, you steal by defaulting on loans. Look what it says in, in Psalms 37, 21. The wicked man borrows and never pays back. There are some people who borrow money with no intention of paying it back. Do, do you know people like that? Um, Y'all all know my mom and dad. Here's my mom and dad right here. Dad, raise your hand right there. Dad, raise, just raise your There's dad. Those of y'all who know dad, you, you think my dad is just this go- awesome godly man, which he is. But you think he's always been a godly man. Ronnie, thank you for your Sunday school lesson the other night. Some things you've, you've never known, you never know and you're never going to hear them again. But when you were giving your testimony about that little wild period you had in your life, I was saying, that's my dad. That's my dad because my dad was a wild child when he was growing up. Uh, after I got older, Jason, I started hearing these stories about him. I thought, there's no way. There's no way that, that my dad actually did that. But he, he, he actually did. Uh, he started driving when he was just a kid. Uh, his dad had passed away, so he got this hardship license. And I don't know how old he was, but Danny, he was, he was way too young to be driving a car but he actually bought the car with the paper route that he had, so it was all legal, and he was driving. He got a ticket one day, and so he went to the Midland County Courthouse to pay his ticket, and he handed it to the judge, and the judge looked at the ticket and looked down over at my dad, who was just a little kid, and the judge kind of laughed at him and said, Son, I'll, I'll let this go. Just don't park your bicycle there anymore. <laughs> and that offended you, didn't it? How, do you remember how old you were? 14 years old. Oh yeah. And so this 14-year-old boy bowed up and he said, huh, it wasn't my bicycle, it was my car. And he made him pay the fine. Isn't that right? <laughs> <laughs> but my dad had some pretty shady buddies and he told me this story about one of his friends that would go and buy either a new car or a used car. And drive the wheels of it off for three months and never make a single payment on it, and they would come and repossess the car. And he did this over and over and over again until I think he finally got put in jail. But you know what? (laughs) Because that's what happens when you do stuff like that. All right. But but that's the case with a lot of people that they have no intention. Of paying it back. And and you know what? This doesn't just apply to loans and cars. It applies to anything, not just bankruptcy, but anything borrowed. And there are some of us that have things in our house or maybe in our garage that we borrowed from somebody a long time ago and just kind of forgot that it was theirs. And we're kind of living with this ideal. If I keep it longer in my garage than they had it in their garage, it becomes mine. It's not how it works. God says don't live like that. Don't do that. Don't defraud on loans and don't take things that are not your own. Number four way we steal is by defrauding the government. I'm serious. Romans chapter 13 verse 7. Here's what the Word of God says. Pay your taxes. Pay them to those who collect them. And give respect and honor to those who are in authority. And I didn't write that. God read it. But he says, you know what? Pay your taxes. Now, there's absolutely nothing wrong with tax avoidance. In fact, it's it's good stewardship. There's no reason you should be overpaying on your taxes and not planning to maximize the benefits that you can get. I mean, if if you can get a benefit, get the benefit. If you don't have to pay a tax on something, don't pay a tax on it. Just keep it legal. Are you with me? Keep it legal. Do the right thing. There's nothing wrong with that, but tax evasion is illegal. And you're saying, well, as a Christian, I just don't like what they're doing with my money, my tax money. You know what? Here's the way you fix that problem. You vote, right? You go vote for the person who's not going to take your money that you're paying in taxes and abuse it or use it for something that you don't want your tax money to be spent on. But we steal when we defraud the government. Are you ready for me to end this part of the sermon? One more, number five. Here's how we steal. Say that with me. By robbing God. You got to be real, brother preacher. You serious here? Yeah, I'm serious. Malachi chapter 3, 8 says, Will a man or a woman rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, How did we rob you, God? And here's the answer: God gives, by withholding your tithes and offerings. Now, no mistaking this, the Bible teaches tithing. You tithe a tenth, which is 10% of your income. The first 10% of all that I make goes back to God out of gratitude. Why? Because I owe God everything. Let me tell you, everything I have, everything you have is a gift from God. You wouldn't have anything if God had not blessed you the way he's blessed you. And the first 10% of what you make goes back to him. It's an offering of gratitude. It's the first 10% you make. Why 10%? Well, because God said. Dude, let me tell you, he could have said 25%. Or he could have said 50%. He said, no, the first 10%. I, I don't know why 10%. He said 10%. And God says, if you are paying all your bills and spending all your money and there's nothing left over and you don't give me the tithe, then you're robbing me. It's robbing God. Really, you've got it flipped over. The very first thing you need to do is give God the 10%. Angie and I made this commitment when we first got married. We were making a whopping $75 a week as the youth pastor of the Enid Free Will Baptist Church. Where's the last time you tried to live on $75 a week? I know that was back in 1983, but dude, that wasn't a lot of money in 83 and here's what we decided. It doesn't matter if anybody else gets paid. Electric bill, gas bill, water bill, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if we have to eat corn beans and cornbread. God gets his first. Period. God gets his first. And you know what? We did we did Ronnie, we didn't even have to live on beans and cornbread. Because when you do what God tells you to do, he blesses. God says, put me to the test in this. So put him to the test. A pastor was preaching through the Ten Commandments, and a guy in his church was digging it, man. He was, he was really getting into it. And after every sermon, the guy would meet the pastor and said, Pastor, I don't know how you're doing this, brother, but you're preaching some of the best sermons you've ever preached. You're letting us have it. Keep letting those church people have it, preacher. Keep preaching. <laughs> every Sunday, he'd say something like that to him until he came to the Eighth Commandment. Thou shalt not steal. And after the sermon, the guy found the preacher and said, You have been preaching, but now you've gone to meddling. And you know what? We don't like it when it gets personal. We love to hear it when the preacher talks about everybody else's sins, but we don't like it when we realize, you know what? This is something I'm guilty of. I'm breaking the eighth commandment because I'm robbing God. God says, you're robbing me if you're not tithing. And tithing is just as important as all of these other issues. So what does it mean to steal? Dude, it can mean a lot of things. And I guarantee you, you're guilty of it. Brings me to question number two. Why is honesty the best policy? Well, I got four very quick reasons from the Word of God. Honesty is the best policy because, number one, God is watching God is watching. People steal because they don't think they're going to get caught. They think they're going to get away with it. If you knew that you were going to steal something, like that that towel at the motel, if you knew you you were going to get caught, if you knew somebody was watching, would you do it? Really think about it. I told the first service, I can remember years ago, Brother Johnny had VBS, and VBS is right around the corner. We're having it in August. But I can remember this particular VBS, been years ago, he had candy up here on the stage and no lie, his candy, and it wasn't just little pieces of candy, he was giving out full boxes of candy and it doesn't matter that it, was, it expired a year ago, he was, but <laughs> that's, that's a side story. But that candy started here, it was, it was this high, about this deep and it went all the way around the stage. And his plan was, after the service, he was going to hand out this candy to all these kids. Do you all remember that year? You're saying that's every year he does VBS. But this particular year, there was an abundance of candy. And so they had the end of the service invitation. And I love it in VBS when all the kids come down and pray. It's pretty cool, isn't it, when all the kids come down and pray. So that year, all these kids came down there. And they were praying around the altar. And I can remember all of our staff. We were out there. We were praying with little kids. And there was a group of boys here. And I knelt down right here and I was praying with these boys. And you know, it's during the invitation, so everybody's got their eyes closed, right? <laughs> okay. So I prayed with these little boys. And I just happened to, I happened to look up and look down here to see what was going on down here. And here's this little guy down here. And he was, let me move this down. he was right here praying. And here's what he did: he reached his little arm up to this box of candy right here he was gonna steal it now he was about to get all the candy he wanted but he was gonna steal this box of candy and so he's reaching for this box of candy and all of a sudden I don't know what it was his little head turned (laughs) and here I am over here and my head turned and we locked eyes And I don't know; it it wasn't very long, but it seemed like it was 35 minutes that we just stared. We we had a we had a standoff. I won't tell you what kind of standoff it was. It was a standoff. His little arm was just frozen, right there in midair as he was looking at me. And here's what I did. Here's what I did. I gave him that mean brother Will look. I don't do it very often. his little hand back, <laughs> started praying <laughs> you know, here's the deal if, if we don't think we're gonna get caught we might do it. but if we know we're gonna get caught we're not gonna do that so Satan comes along and he says you know what it's okay for you to do it I mean nobody's ever gonna know that you took that no nobody's ever gonna see that you've done that in, in any way, you deserve it. I mean, your boss underpays you. You're not paid enough for what you do. So as compensation, why don't you go ahead and take that material home? Why don't you go ahead and take that merchandise? They owe it to you. It's okay to take that equipment. Nobody's ever gonna know. Wrong. God knows because God sees. That's what he does. You know what? He's the one you're going to have to give an account of anyway. You're the, he's the one that you're going to have to answer to in the long run. Look what it says in Job chapter 34, verse 21 and 22. God carefully watches the goings-on of all mankind. He sees them all. No darkness is thick enough to hide evil men from his eyes. God sees everything. Nothing escapes his eyes. You know what? I can fool other people, and you can too. You can fool the government. You can fool the insurance company when you turn in a dishonest claim. But you're not going to fool God. He sees and he knows. And one day you're going to have to stand before him the judge of the universe, and give an account of your life. One day you're going to have to answer to God why you stole that $5 towel from Motel 6. One day you're going to have to try to explain to him why you did what he said don't do. And that is still. You know what? If you're a parent, you're not only being watched by God, you're being watched by your kids in your grandkids. And let me tell you, you know this, values are caught, not taught. What in my lifestyle am I communicating to my kids that that I don't want them to reproduce and and redo? What, What am I telling my kids is okay and what is wrong just through my lifestyle? Look at Proverbs 20, verse 7. It is a wonderful heritage to have an honest father or an honest mother. So guys, let me tell you, one of the best gifts you can give to your kids and your grandkids is integrity. When you do the right thing, because let me tell you, they're watching and they know. I'm not only being watched by God and by my kids, but I'm also being watched by the world, by unbelievers. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So there are people you work with and see every day and they may not like your personality and they may disagree with your faith, but friend, they better respect your integrity. And they better know that you're going to do the right thing and say the right thing and not take things that aren't yours. Every time you live with integrity in front of people who have no faith, you're being a witness to them. So, why do I need to live an honest life and not steal? Because God's watching. Number two, I need to be honest in all things because I'm going to reap what I sow. Love Romans chapter 6 verse 7. Romans 6, 7 tells us, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. This is a law of nature. It's a law of the universe. If I plant corn seed, I am going to harvest, not potatoes. If I plant an apple tree seed, guess what kind of tree is going to grow and what kind of fruit I'm going to get? Apples, not peaches. And it really doesn't matter how much I wish it were peaches, it's an apple tree. And the big principle of this verse is this. Whatever you give out in life, you're going to get back in life. If you cheat other people, you're going to be cheated. God says it's going to happen. Count on it. If I take advantage of other people, then guess what? Other people are going to take advantage of me. On the other hand, this will work for you if you use it the right way. If you are an honest person and you maintain integrity in all of your decisions... God says, I will make sure that you're blessed. Why? Because whatever you sow is what you're going to reap. Notice with me Proverbs chapter 15, verse 27. Try to make a profit dishonestly, and you'll get your family in trouble. That's the good news translation, but you know what? You need to hear that. If you try to make a dishonest profit... It's going to come back not only on you, but your family. The newspapers are full of that kind of stuff. Men and women who got their families in trouble because they were trying to make a dishonest gain. Don't do it. You're always going to reap what you sow. Another verse, Proverbs 21, verse 6. Dishonest gain will never last. So why even take the risk? God says it's not worth it. You're eventually going to be found out here on earth or in heaven. So why in the world would you even take the risk? So why is honesty the best policy? Number one, God's watching. Number two, I'm going to reap what I sow. And number three, dishonesty damages my character. Now look at me and listen to this. It shrinks my soul down to the size of a pea dishonesty damages my character Jesus said what does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul now I can give you a dozen ways to make a whole lot of money real quick most of them are dishonest right what does it profit you if you do get rich quick and make a whole lot of money but in the process of doing the wrong thing you lose your soul and spend eternity in hell. Here's a pretty good verse for you to mark and write down, go back and think about later on. It's Proverbs chapter 10, verse 2. Wealth you get by dishonesty will do you no good. But honesty, being honest, can save your life. Mark it down. Mark it down. Let's be honest people. Did you know the Bible tells us the true identity of satan the bible tells us the devil is a thief john chapter 10 verse 10 the thief jesus said comes to kill and destroy but i have come so that you might have life you see jesus came to give us life jesus is truth jesus is honesty jesus is never dishonest And every time I make a decision to steal, to take something that doesn't belong to me, doesn't matter how small or insignificant it is, I am making a decision that I'm going to side with the devil. Jesus is honesty. The devil is a thief. The devil wants you to steal because every time you steal, you're becoming more and more like him. He's not only a thief, the Bible says he is the father of thieves. He's a thief. And every time I'm making the decision, am I going to go the devil's way or am I going to go God's way? Am I going to become more like Satan or am I going to become more like God? And you have to face that decision maybe every day of your life. Satan is a thief and God is the truth. There is no deception in God. Now, I've heard this excuse even given by a lot of Christian people. Preacher, you just don't understand. You you can't make it out in the real world. You can't make it in the marketplace if you don't cheat. If that's the way you feel, you're dead wrong, man. The, The fact is, if you know anything about business, integrity pays. Think about your own life. Customers want to return where they can trust the company. There was a study done not long ago uh, looking at the top 50 businesses in America. And one thing they all had in common was they all had a moral code of ethics. They, they They were morally above board. They did the right thing. Their people didn't cheat you. And when you have a reputation of we don't rip people off, We give value for value, an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. People are going to respect that, and they're going to have return customers because of that. So for your own sake, maintain your integrity. Don't let the devil steal your soul. Don't let anybody buy your soul for a couple of bucks, because it's not worth it. Why is honesty the best policy? Cuz God's watching, we reap what we sow. Dishonesty damages our character and finally number 4, God is going to reward my honesty in this life and in the life to come. Look at Proverbs chapter 28 verse 20. Honest people will lead a full, happy life. But if you're in a hurry to get rich, guess what? It's coming you're going to be punished. Honesty leads to a full, rich, happy life. Why? Because you don't have any skeletons in the closet. And you can sleep at night, not having to worry about, is this this person going to find out how I'm cheating them? Is, Is the truth going to be found out? I mean, if you're trying to get rich quick, you're going to fall into all kinds of problems, and you're eventually going to be punished for it. Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, if you're dishonest in little things, you're going to be dishonest in big things. He flipped that around and also said, if you're honest in little things, you're going to be honest in big things. If you are unfaithful and you cheat with worldly wealth, Jesus says, God is not going to trust you with the true riches of heaven. That's what this parable is all about in Luke chapter 16. Go home and read it. So if you're honest in little things, you're going to be honest in big things. If you're dishonest in little things, which is talking about worldly wealth and not stealing and not being dishonest, if God can trust you down here on earth with little things, then he's going to trust you in heaven with big things. The point of that whole parable in Luke chapter 16 is life is a test. Do you know that? Every day, life is a test. How many of y'all like tests when you're in school? Dude, I hated them. I hated it when the teacher came in and said, Pop quiz. Man, I started sweating because <laughs> I don't do tests very well. But every day, you got a test. And, and there are going to be final examinations in well in heaven as well, for heaven. So if I respond correctly to the daily test, and I'm honest with my money, I'm honest with my reputations of of other people. God says there are going to be great rewards for you. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, 21. Remember this story? He said to this one servant, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Here, Here come the rewards they're coming in heaven. You're going to have them. So how in the world can I prepare so that when I get to that final exam, that's what God says to me? Because that, that's, what, that's what it all comes down to when you stand before God, what is he going to say to you? Are you going to hear, well done? Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to reward you with many things. How how can I prepare so that when I get to that final exam, that's what I hear God say? Well, before I answer that, let me just back up and tell you what it says at the end of the book of Revelation. Revelation tells us that no dishonest person is going to make it into heaven. No dishonest person. No No stealing, no cheating, no liars, no sin. Let me just say it like that. No sin in heaven. No imperfection in heaven. No sin in heaven. You know what that means? That means you and I don't have a chance. Because we've all sinned. We've all been dishonest. Nobody stands a chance unless we have, here's what we need, a savior someone who can take our sins away someone who can wipe our slate clean we have all been dishonest in different ways that's why jesus christ came and died on calvary's cross that's why jesus took god's wrath on me on himself on the cross he paid the penalty for my sin and your sin so when we come to jesus we say to him, Jesus Christ, there's no way I can make it into heaven on my own. I'm a sinner. I've been dishonest. I've taken things that I shouldn't have taken. I have broken every one of your commandments, and I don't stand a chance. And so I'm asking for grace. I'm pleading on your mercy. Jesus, forgive me. Cleanse me. Wash me. Become my ticket into heaven. You know what Jesus says when you come to him like that? He says, I got you covered. Because literally, he's got us covered. Because that's why he came. To die for you. Doesn't matter what you've done. Dude, I don't care what sin. I don't care what sin. Now, it may matter to Dan Shue back here. He's a prosecuting attorney of Sebastian County, but Right now, Danny, it's, I'm saying it, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus can forgive you. Yeah. I, I just thought of this. I don't, have, I, don't have, I don't even know if I have one in my wallet, but I wish I had a $100 bill up here. Anybody got a $100? Yeah, don't give it to me. I probably wouldn't give it back to you. $100 bill. Just play like you got a $100 bill right here. And that hundred dollar bill that I'm holding up here, it's been used, it's been used for some bad stuff. It was used by this one guy who rolled it up and snorted some coke with it. It was used to pray a prostitute. It, it was used for some bad stuff. But even though it's been used for those bad things, you know how much that hundred dollar bill is worth? It's still worth hundred bucks. So I don't care what you've done. I don't care how you've sinned. I don't care how bad it's been. You're worth something to God. And He loves you. And He wants to forgive you. And what you need today is a Savior. I give you Jesus Christ. He can save you and change you. Would you allow Him to do that in your life today? And if you are a believer and and you've allowed something to come into your life that's putting a wedge between you and God, don't let that wedge grow. Don't, Don't let it manifest itself in other ways in your life. Deal with it this morning. Confess it to Him. One of my favorite verses is 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And he'll do that today. And if you're here and you got a family, you got kids, grandkids, let me invite you to come to the altar and pray for your family. Our families are being attacked today by the devil like never before. And you need to pray a hedge of protection around your family. You need to pray for your kids, and then you need to live a godly life in front of them. Heavenly Father, help us to take care of business today with you. For that person who needs to come and receive the free gift of salvation, I pray that they would come and be safe today. Lord, for others who just need to come and, and confess sin in their life, Lord, help us to do. burden our heart. Help us to come. Lord, for those who just want to come and, and pray for their family, their own life, their, their, their kids or grandkids, Lord, help us to do that. Help us to realize the importance of interceding for other people, especially our family. Lord, thank you for your presence in this room. Help us to feel you as you move among us right now. And for those who need to come to you in prayer, may they step out in faith and come today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with head bowed and eyes closed. And as the praise team sings, use this time in prayer to the Lord. Come and pray to him right now. The altars are open. for those who prayed today, I pray a blessing on them. Be with those of our church who are sick and in the hospital and need uh, interceding done for them. Be with Karen McKinney, Wayne Davis, James Harris, Fred Troball, Mary Clark. Lord, please bless Betty Newell and Bug Wagner. Lord, help everyone in this room and those listening online do what only you can do in our lives, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you would be seated for just a second, got a couple of announcements I want to share with you, and uh, then you can go back out in the rain, okay? Hey, thanks for being here today. Come back next Sunday. We're going to be on commandment number nine, so study ahead, all right? When you walk out the doors, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes, or you can give online at 6.30 tonight on Facebook Live. Uh, we'll have Bible study. Don Smith is going to be teaching that, so tune in. Uh, Here in a couple of weeks, we're going to reinitiate some of our Bible study classes. Uh, We're going to start with the adult class that actually meets while this service is going on. Uh, It is usually attended by those in the uh, 9 o'clock service. They just go on upstairs and have Sunday school. That class is going to kick back off. And then in the fall, we're going to start with uh, other classes and small group studies. So look forward to that as well. 7 o'clock on Wednesday we got uh, things going on throughout the building for all age groups. Be praying for uh, Free Will Baptist in general. Uh, This week, they're meeting in Memphis, Tennessee for the National Association of Free Will Baptist, uh, conducting business. Kids are going to be competing. Brother Johnny and his crew are already there. Uh, He has worship services for kids. We can't remember the age. It's four and five-year-olds, maybe something like that, or fourth and fifth. I don't know what it is. But anyway, he's got kids right now. Uh, he's teaching him in little Billy, and then there's a whole group army with him doing that. Pray for them every day. Uh, Angie and I are going to be headed to Memphis. Uh, pray that we find a way to get to downtown. Uh, uh, we might have to swim the river. I don't know how we're going to get there. But I have a meeting tonight that starts at 8: 30, and'll probably go to one or two o'clock in the morning, tomorrow. Pray that I have patience. And- that I'm a good listener, all right, and pray for us as we conduct business there. I want you to know that God loves you, and I love you, and I hope you have a great day. Just don't get in trouble, don't steal, and don't get arrested, all right? There we go. God bless you. Take care.